When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gabriel Marcotti. And we thank you for joining us on this fine Monday morning. Hey, FA Cup weekend. How about that? <laughs> joining us down the line, it's The Times man on Merseyside, Mr. Paul Joyce. Also joining us in the studio is the former Chelsea winger and author of the award-winning Black and Blue. It is Paul Canneville. And good morning to you all. Good morning. Later on, we'll be talking about a turbulent time at Tottenham as part of the Times' ongoing agenda against Spurs and <laughs> West Ham getting walloped by Wimbledon. But it was Championship Millwall who got the ball rolling for FA Cup shocks on Saturday evening by knocking out Premier League Everton at the Den. Uh, events off the pitch would overshadow that achievement and we will come on to that shortly. But first, Joycey, this was an embarrassment for Everton and for Marco Silva, wasn't it? Yeah, desperately disappointing result for them. The manager's under under pressure now, away at Huddersfield tomorrow evening. The season sort of petered out already in January. The bright start that they made under Marco Silva, which he sort of made at Hull and Watford as well, has sort of ground to a halt. And there's a lot of questions about him and a lot of sort of disillusionment. And, and, and I'm going to say now as well about the state of Everton's season. When you see the result, you might be tempted to have a go and say, look, Everton, you're not going to go down. You're not going to finish top six. This is what you have to play for. Take the FA Cup seriously. But then that kind of was his best lineup right now. I mean, can you point to anybody who should have been playing if or would have played if this were the Champions League final and Everton were in it? No, I mean, if you look at the um, the Everton performance that has got probably the most sort of cued off this season in a lot of ways was the Merseyside derby game when they lost it, obviously, in the, the 96th minute following the Pickford mistake. Nine of the players played from that game, played at Millwall, and, and the two that didn't were, who didn't start, were Walcott and Bernard. Um, there's been a lot of debate up here about Walcott's performances this season, and, and added Moa Luckman, a lot of the fans wanted in the team, so... It wasn't as if it wasn't. A, I think that's what makes it more disappointing. I think for Evertonians, it wasn't the case that he left players out of this game. This was more or less his A team, barring maybe one or two. You could say Zuma, Firmino from the start, but he came on at half time anyway. I think what what the, the worrying thing was. I did the, the Lincoln Cup game in the third round, and, and Lincoln scored from a set piece. And, and after the game, Lincoln said that they targeted Everton. 
And from the very first set piece, Millwall didn't score from it, but but they won the headers, they won the challenges. Every time a ball went into the box, you just sensed that there was going to be an issue for Everton. Now, I can't believe that Marco Silva hasn't gone through set piece routines with his players. I just, you know, we're going to go and see him at half past twelve today. I just don't believe that, given how meticulous he seems to be as a manager. You know, he's someone who doesn't leave the training ground till half six, seven o'clock at night, and does does work at home as well. From speaking to people this morning, so I think there's a lack of responsibility from the players on the pitch at certain times. And we've conceded 13 goals from set pieces now, and that points to it. Well, tells me there's a sort of a fundamental lack of character that that Marcus Silva sort of alluded to in Gary Jacobs' report this morning, which is a big problem, really. They did, of course, have a major gripe regarding Mill's second goal, the ball deflecting in off the arm of Jake Cooper. Now, there was VAR at Premier League grounds this weekend in the FA Cup because they have the necessary facilities, but no VAR elsewhere. Gab, is it fair that others had it and others go without? Yeah. I mean, I don't... Well, because in the individual games, both teams are... It's a knockout competition. In the individual games, both teams are in the exact same situation. I mean, there's so much that we can complain about with the FA Cup, frankly. I think spending a ton of money, especially at lower league clubs who may not have it. I mean, if we're going to extend it to this, is it fair that the Premier League teams get into the only join in the third round? You know, why don't they have to go through the first preliminary round? If we have VAR everywhere, should we go and have it when Metropolitan Police play old Dunstonians or some other such nonsense? And, you know, I, I, I think of all the gripes that people have, I mean, I thought this was a bad call and I thought everything were hard done by, but as long as it's a level playing field for the two teams that are in the game, you know, then I can live with that. I mean, why do you think that they should go and spend a ton of money and install it at every single team competing in the FA Cup? No, but I don't think you should use it. At all? At all. Because why should just a select few be able to have it and get the right decisions, let's say, and there are other clubs who obviously can't afford to have it installed, may have decisions go against them, but had they had VAI, it might not have. I just think if you you only have it at select grounds, then you shouldn't use it in a cup competition. But let's get on to the, to the matters of the game at the Den then. We mentioned the word embarrassment earlier, but the real embarrassment for these clubs came off the pitch. Millwall fans were heard engaging in racist chants on the terraces. Paul, this was the subject of your book, Black and Blue, the horrendous racist abuse that you personally suffered as, as a Chelsea player. And these are sort of remnants of the 80s, aren't they? Very frightening. Not to say it's a shock, but um, it's just creeping back. Fair factor of Chelsea, we know about the, the troubles we had there in the past and then how we're dealing with them now and then trying to eradicate um, the racism at the, at the ground itself and amongst the fans. But um, for that to see at the Den is something... I know they've been doing some work on the foundation there and that they do some work, but it needs to be strongly looked at right now. I was just talking to fans and it's talking about how frightening it can be for fans to come there and think about coming and support their team when they know, ooh, it could be dodgy. Mm, the racism, I'm not too sure I want to see that with my kids or so forth. Yeah, um, 
FA has to step up. I know we got the association to kick it out and the red cards, but I think they need a bit more. They don't have too much power as far as I'm concerned. That's my opinion. Um, the FA needs to step up and get together with this. This is going on far too long. 30 years I've been played. And to hear it still continue, mm. nah, there's something wrong here. Definitely. What would you like? What, what would you like done? I mean, what, well, what do you think me, is effective? Um, all right, we already know that we recorded, we can see the fans, but we can't hear exactly what's being said. And that's the problem there. Because the situation with Sterling, um, the fans there, yes, Chelsea stepped up and banned the fans, but they weren't too sure of what they said. They were going by lip readers. These fans said they didn't raise the abuse. Yes, aggressive. This is what you get from grounds in the way you try to put players off when they're taking the corner. But if that's the case, then put microphones around each corner. We've got TV rights. We've got the BT. We've got Sky. Why can't we afford about microphones around the corner of every ground? I'm just curious because obviously your ties to Chelsea. Didn't, did Sterling, Sterling say didn't he say was? No. Media brought that out. Sterling didn't say he was. Sterling never said he was no. racially abused. No. So we just kind of take it as read that's what that he was... That's what we're going by. I have a question. I mean, and obviously everybody reacts in a different way, but, yeah. you know, you were racially abused in your day. Do you, do you think... Yeah. Is there an onus on... Do you think Sterling has a responsibility if he was racially abused to speak up? Because while maybe he can take it and if, maybe it doesn't affect him or maybe he chooses not to, but it might be a deterrent and there might be other people who might suffer from it more and right. might not take it. If he felt he was unracially abused, I'm sure he would have said. Um, so you're implying that he didn't feel that he was? Well, I don't think he said it. If he did, he would have said it straight, that he was racially abused. Um, at that time, you're saying, going by the cameras, that saw the aggression on the fans' face doesn't say really they were racist. Yeah? I've been seeing fans that they're aggressive. Oh, hey, get up! I didn't hear nothing racist of it, but you're going to get that grand. But until you direct racism at you, then every player has to put up their hand and say, look, I've just been racially abused. I, don't, I ain't having it. And that's where he's talked to the referee, needs to do more, and stamp it. I think with, with Raheem Sterling, obviously he didn't come out and say that he'd been he racially didn't. abused, but he did release that statement with regards to the, the actions of the media and their responsibility. The well, he's absolutely right with that. It's mm-hmm. just two different things. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I think he's got a totally legitimate gripe there with all this nonsense and Greg's and Primark and whatever. But to me, they're, they're obviously related issues, but they're, they're, they're separate. And, you know, I, I'm in no position as a white male who's not a professional footballer to tell people what they need to do. But I do think if people feel comfortable going and denouncing the racist abuse that they hear that's directed at them, I think it makes life easier for other players. And you get, you know, you get a snowball effect where more people, where more people come forward. I'm assuming in in your day, Paul, when, when you started out, from what I've read as well, from, from others who played in that era is it's been Luther Blissett and stuff. It was almost like, well, if you complained about it, you were showing weakness. That is the stand for it. If it, if I complained, it was a showing a sign of weakness and showing a sign head, of troublemaking and I didn't want to hear that and I didn't want the feedback from it. I didn't want the feedback from Chelsea thinking, well, if you can't take this, it's probably not the place for you to be. And that's the reason why I didn't say nothing. And you can understand a young kid who was 19, 20 years old who wasn't expecting that kind of treatment at all. He's, I'm just happy to be a professional footballer. That was the dream. And then you go to a ground and then receiving this, and don't get me wrong, we know my story is documented, um, that I received racism from a majority of my fans. 
which I believe were National Front at that time. Um, but this is what something I wasn't expecting. I had to play with this for two to three years. Um, for me, it was a battle of showing the fans how good I was just to try and get accepted. I mean, I, I assume, were Chelsea aware of this when you were playing? What, what were they doing? Back then, the regime that back then, they didn't. They really didn't, and I think they know that as well as what they're doing now. But back then, nobody came to me, how are you feeling? And don't get me wrong, the only person that did that was John Neal, um, manager, rest in peace. He was the one that came up when I first received the racism on my f- debut. And he came to me in the corner and said, Candice, man, I don't know how you're feeling, but I can imagine. But right now, this is the same fans who are paying your wages. It's up to you to see, deal with how you're going to deal with it. Um, and with those encouraging words, it was, trust me, and family members keep telling me, Paul, why would you want to play for a racist side? Hold on, you're telling the club is racist. No, not saying so. The majority is having to explain that every time in the game. You can imagine a family, I don't know why you stayed there, but if I did leave and went to another club and they'd done the same thing, what would I have done then? You got for a go for your battles, and that was a battle for me constantly. It wasn't a confident booster. Don't get me wrong, games, it was sometimes frightening that I wouldn't want to go out to receive that, so I warmed up in the changing room. At times when the game finished, I wouldn't leave straight away to go home. I was like, no, nah, you know what, let it die down. The fans go home first, and about hour, two hours, that's when I, that was me feeling comfortable um, and kind of scared at the time. It was like, it was so frightening, like the aggression from them, coming from them. It's like, oh my gosh, am I going to be attacked? Am I going to go home safely? This is how the thought pattern was going every time. So um, to see it now, as we're saying, creeping back, now something has to be done strongly. A player receives racism. Is he entitled to walk off? Would he walk off? Don't get me wrong. If I was receiving it now at this period of time and receiving it badly... I would walk off and I would want my teammates to support me on that as well because if we can't talk to the referee and he can't do nothing what does that lead us you have to play through that no I don't think we should so yeah I would walk off and I hopefully my teammates will walk off with me This season, with your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every game in the Premier League. It is just £3 for three months in our January sale. It is a tricky time for Tottenham right now, who've been knocked out of two domestic cup competitions in just four days. Penalty shootout defeat at Chelsea in the Carabao Cup was followed by a 2-0 loss at Crystal Palace in the FA Cup. We're joined now by Alan Smith. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino said after the game that trophies are for egos and that finishing in the top four is more important. Alan, what do you think of that mentality? Um, financially, yes. I'm not so sure in terms of the, um, the supporters. I'm trying to make count it up yesterday. I think if you win the FA Cup this season, you would earn about £7 million in prize money. Obviously, if you make the last 16 of the Champions League, you're making things between 50 and £60 million this season. So, obviously, with Spurs' um, new stadium next season, the priority is to have Champions League football as well. Obviously, they could move to, move to the same later this season and may still be in the Champions League. But next season, it's all about having Champions League football at the new ground. 
Paul, as a player, before the season starts, are you thinking uh, about your league position or which cups you might be able to win? Never. You're thinking about being injury-free. Uh-huh. <laughs> and simple as that. Um, and playing, making sure you're involved in every game. So whether what cup game comes up, if it's Milk Cup, League Cup, you want to win those games. As simple as. Pochettino rested Christian Eriksen, Toby Alderweireld. Given that the squad is, is pretty much at breaking point, do you understand that? Plus all the guys he left on the bench. Um, yeah. Yeah, of course. And I think it, criticizing him, it, it really is beyond idiotic. It's the same people who say, like, oh, Pochettino's never won a trophy, can't be really good. Well, you know what? People who say that, why don't you go get freaking Juan de Ramos to go manage your club, right? He won a trophy. He's got to be good. <laughs> you know? I don't even know where to begin with this. Dele Alli, Harry Kane, and Hong Min Son are all unavailable to him, okay? They're all not there. His boss, the guy who pays his wages, has prioritized finishing in the top four. Does he want to win a cup? Of course. But he just got knocked out on penalties in a cup semifinal. Using this as a stick with which to beat Pochettino is just stupid. If you want to go and criticize him, and I know like I, people have accused me of being too pro-Pochettino, right? There's other things to criticize him for, like the fact that they didn't make any signings in the summer when maybe they could have, like few years ago when, when Leicester won the league and, and they all kind of imploded and, and, and had their sort of hissy fit at the end. Paul smiling because he remembers the Battle of the Bridge very, very well. <laughs> you know, criticize him for that. But this is just so silly. So, so silly. And it's not just the financial argument. It's the realistic argument that they have a Champions League round of 16 game coming up and they have... Uh, a top four place to, to hang on to. Chelsea have just signed Higuain. United have won a million games in a row. You can't take that for granted. That's his job. So he, he rotated his squad. He's given squad players a, a chance to impress. Unfortunately, didn't work out for them yesterday. But Paul, talking about what you said and, and you were implying that you want to play every game when mm. you're a player, mm. were you ever in a season tired and actually wanted to have a rest and would you ever actually say that to a manager that you can't play because you need a rest um no i look forward to the next game i could never be that bit tired it was like if i didn't play in the first team i know i played in the reserves game keep myself clocking over um called into the as a sub and you could imagine a sub at that time when we was playing was one sub it wasn't six or three, you know what I mean? You could use three. It was one sub. So you had the manager who had to make a decision when you could put me on or when an injury come on and so forth. That was the difficult thing about it. So for me, it was a game just keeping fit and looking to play as many games as I can. This league is a tremendous tough league. It's got so many games. We play right through to the season, not like taking breaks like some areas. Germany takes a break and so forth. We play right through, whether it's hot, it's cold, it's difficult, but we've got to play through. Alan, Gab suggested there, obviously, that, that Palace are fighting for survival in the Premier League. They're only three points above the relegation zone. So should we actually give them some credit for going for it in the FA Cup because they've been trying to gain some momentum, perhaps? Yeah, I think I mean I think they deserve a lot of credit for you know putting out such a strong team. Obviously, there were a number of changes, but if you compare them to say some of the mid-table teams who are playing in the FA Cup, and West Ham, we'll, we'll discuss in a minute, uh, Brighton, a pile of changes, and those are the teams who really should be you know targeting the FA Cup because they're mid-table, uh, not really going to climb much higher in the table, not going to drop into a relegation struggle unless things go badly wrong in the next few weeks. So, you know, in comparison, Palace, who 
have justifiable reasons to focus solely on the league so they can stay up. Um, deserve enormous credit for it. Um, I, you know, the issue with Spurs as well, uh, I mean, Gab mentioned the, the number of changes. I think it's going back to the whole didn't sign anybody in the summer. Um, ultimately, that is the biggest issue because while Pochettino, you know, needs to rotate, he's rotating with players who, you know, obviously really aren't, aren't up to the standard required. But in the end, it came down to Trippier missing a penalty and off the free kick, that horrendous finish from Nkudu, I think it was, when they did the set play. Mm. It's not like Palace wiped the floor with them. And credit to Palace to Virginia go through. But it's also, it's not as if Milivojevic, would we say he's an important player for, for Palace? He was on the bench. Juan Bissaka was on, was, was on the bench. Look at this lineup. Roy Hodgson approached this game with the same mentality that Pochettino did, and rightly so. This is the reality of the FA Cup at this stage of the competition for teams which, as Alan said, aren't in mid-table and aren't totally stacked like Manchester City. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, we mentioned how strong a side Everton put out when they lost to, to Millwall. That was just a couple of hours uh, before AFC Wimbledon, who are bottom of League One, found themselves 3-0 up against West Ham. Wally Downs' this side eventually ran out 4-2 winners. Now, uh, Alan was at King's Meadow. No shots on target in the first half for the Hammers. 2-0 down to, as I say, the team bottom of League One. That can't happen, can it? How, how on earth did that happen? Uh, no, it shouldn't happen. Um, and because uh, King's Meadow is so small, um, it's kind of an odd situation where there were journalists... Um, scattered around among the homelands just because they couldn't, there wasn't enough room in the press box. So I was actually sat in the middle of a block of, of Wimbledon supporters. And midway through the second half, um, just as it kind of looked like West Ham were kind of coming back into it, the, the, the supporter who directly sat behind me took out his phone, Googled the uh, comparative wage bills and uh, read it out. And there was actually a West Ham staff member who was sitting nearby. And he just couldn't help but laugh um, at the gulf in resources between the clubs. So, you know, we use money as sort of a 
as kind of a something that sort of you know determines where where teams finish. Um, and because of that, it, it shouldn't happen. Pellegrini said afterwards he was ashamed by his players' performance, and you know I don't think that was over the top because especially in the first half. They were just awful. They were rushed into losing possession stupidly, really. Um, one key moment kind of towards the end of the first half, Mark Noble kind of came back and just had a real go at Adrian, who, for whatever reason, continuously took every single goal kick short, and despite the fact that it was clear that Wimbledon's game plan was to press them high, force them into error. And they just didn't seem to kind of realise that whatsoever. And obviously, 3 0 down within two minutes of the, of the restart in the second half, and the game ultimately was gone from them. Manuel Pellegrini said he was ashamed of his players, adding if he could have subbed all of them at half-time, he would have done so. Uh, Cav, I'm not sure we've ever heard him be so public in his criticism of his players like that since he came to England. You know, I would also say, Manuel, you kind of put out a goofy lineup. You know, if, if the team's pressing you high and you, I mean, according to what I'm looking at, and correct me if I'm wrong, if they're the formation wrong, but he had Antonio and Masuaku as his fullbacks. So you're playing two insanely attacking fullbacks with poor Obiang, who's hardly played this season, and Mark Noble shielding your two center backs. I mean, did you do any advanced prep for, for the opposition? Did you think they were just, I mean, it is disappointing because West Ham are not going to go down. West Ham are exactly what we talked about. They're not going to go down. They're not going to finish top six. They've thrown a lot of money around. But you just wonder about that club. And I know because I can see the script. You're going to ask about Mark Arnautovic next. I invite everybody out there to look at the video of Mark Arnautovic where he says, he, that, where he basically announces that he's extended his contract yeah, and, and whatever else. Okay. So, first of all, leaving aside the nonsense Arnautovic says, oh, don't, don't listen to what people out there say. Only listen to the club and only listen to what I say, which means like, okay, but he forgot to say, should we not listen to your idiot brother who's the guy who keeps going on about how you are you dying to go to China and all this stuff? Secondly, I'm assuming West Ham, like most Premier League clubs, have some sort of digital media team. Come on, you're a television professional. <laughs> Did you look? First of all, he looked like he was a hostage. He looked like Karen Brady was standing there off camera with a machine gun mm-hmm. in the video. He it wasn't lit properly. There was like you know normally you have club signage in the back. You had like some crappy shirt. That, it, seemed like, a bit, it seemed a bit hastily done. Yeah, didn't it? Yeah, it looked like Karen Brady did it on her phone. I don't. I don't understand what. What do you want to be, West Ham? Do you want to be a professional grown-up club? You know, an eighteen-year-old kid for twenty pounds could have produced a better video than something that makes Mark Arnautovic look like an idiot and it makes you look like a two-bob operation. I, I, I know these are just visuals, right? Mm-hmm. But it does add to the whole sense of, of drift, of, of, of nonsense that's going on with the club. Just come out and say it. Come out and say, like, the guy wanted more money. He's been pretty good for us. He pretended as if he was going to go to China. Had they put enough money on the plate, we might have said yes. In the end, it's not going to happen. Also because... Moving to China is objectively difficult now with some of the, the way the laws have, have changed and, and the levy and whatever. And in the end, we gave him a little bit more money and he's happy and we're happy. Just come out and say that. It wouldn't kill you. Enough of this nonsense. Uh, some quick hits. Now, it was on Friday, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer won his eighth straight as Manchester United manager. 
I'm told that the club record for consecutive wins is 11 in a row in all competitions. And that was set by Sir Alex Ferguson's 2008-2009 team. Now they got Burnley at home, followed by Leicester and Fulham away. And then he could break the record against PSG at Old Trafford. Alan, what chance he breaks it? Give me a percentage. 70%. Ooh, maybe less. Like, I, I think. Well, be Paris says your man. Wow. Well, no, well, I think that the three league games, I would be surprised if he didn't match Ferguson's record because Burnley, Fulham, obviously, have been struggling quite a bit. Leicester are constantly hitting this, look to be more missed than his at the moment. Um, and the PSG first leg is at home, isn't it? So Neymar I think, might not be fit. Yeah, um, I think if it was the other way around and they have to go to Parc des for the first leg, I'd be less sure. But the fact that they don't have it, I think, could possibly do it. Callum Hudson-Odoi may have played his last game for Chelsea, scoring the 3-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday. Alan, can you explain why he might be tempted by a move to Bayern Munich? Um, well, the profile, um, I think he's looking at sort of Jadon Sancho, the, the prime example and how well he's done. Uh, at Borussia Dortmund, Wilson Sancho, kind of earlier in the season, there was so much hype surrounding him, even though he wasn't really <laughs> playing that much. He was actually coming off the bench quite a bit, but doing doing really well. I also believe that the sort of younger generation are far more open to sort of moving abroad. And I'm not really sure why, is it because we get, you know, they've grown up with more European football on TV. That's possibly a reason, but they're a lot more open to kind of experience these new cultures try out new reads and you know I think that's ultimately a very positive thing just my two pence on this mm-hmm. the guy's 18 years old Chelsea are a big club he's got 18 months left on his contract presumably if Chelsea offer him enough money he'll extend it and that would be the smart thing to do because the three guys who play his position at Chelsea Eden Hazard William and Pedro also all have expiring contracts at the same time in, in 18 months time I think we can take it as read that one, maybe even two of them, aren't going to be back next year. Mm. Obviously, Eden Hazard, Chelsea would love to re-up, but you know, if Real Madrid come in, who knows? So it doesn't necessarily make sense with me. The other thing I would say, Jaden Sancho spent a year playing at youth level before he started playing regularly. And that mm. was at Borussia Dortmund, which is not Bayern Munich. Obviously, Robin and Ribéry will likely be gone. They're 36 and 35. They still have Kingsley Coleman, and they have Serge Gnabry. No laughing in the back because he's actually turned out to be a really, really good player. Uh, so I don't think it's automatic that he just goes there and, and all of a sudden walks into the first team and, and win the Bundesliga. Mm. That said, if the offer goes much higher than $35 million reported, um, I think, yeah, I think you bite their hand off. Mm. When you said that, like Sanchez, um, I don't know. I know his dad, and his dad lives out in Germany with him. And I think with um, Hudson, I don't think the parent has to go out there with him for him to be settled. I'm, I'm totally in my heart. Like, I feel he wants to stay here. He came up through the youth plan under Jody Morrison. And it was great what Jody Morris done before he went to Derby. But um, what we've seen of him is no way that Chelsea should allow and let this player go as you just said um hazard done been great for the season that he's been here but it does look like he'll be going with the opportunity um william also looks like he might be going um looking at his body language but um for callum it is for me it's like the the brother is trying to sort the deal out and starting to get some more money for the boy and i think it really needs for for callum to make that decision himself 
Is it something he wants to do by leaving Chelsea and going to Bayern Munich or staying here and producing what he knows he's good at, at Chelsea? Natalie, one for you. Mm. Why did Sheffield United turn up at Carrow Road, which is Norwich's home ground? Well I done. know that because he used to be in the Premier League. That's why you know that. Um, why did he turn up there this weekend with uh, reams and reams of white A4 paper? Yes. And was it recycled paper or... <laughs> Are they not a carbon-neutral club? I would like to think it was recycled paper, but I don't know that specifically. But what I can tell you about um, why they brought the A4 papers to Road is because in the summer, Norwich went to the trouble of painting the away dressing room pink. Uh, this was all to do with the mindset. They wanted to mellow their opponents because supposedly that's what that colour does. It pacifies you. Uh, so Norwich wanted to gain advantage by that. Uh, Norwich are second in the Championship, uh, have the second best home record behind Leeds so you could perhaps say that that it's is working. working. Yeah, indeed. But Chris Wilder and Sheffield United, they knew about this. They had a plan to counteract it. So they sellotaped white A4 paper all over the dressing room uh, <laughs> thus turning it white so there was no mellow with the pink. Wow. Uh, and the Blades twice came from behind to salvage a point in a two-all draw. I suppose that makes sense. I think it would probably would have been uh, cheaper if you just uh, sent in a guy with some black spray paint or something. Black being far cooler than, than white. I know, and, but then uh, that would have been... Maybe they would have also gotten high on the fumes and given him a little bit of extra... <laughs> but you're encouraging vandalism. We don't want that. Okay. It's not vandalism. You can go and paint... You can paint the, the, the interior of the, of, the, of the dressing room. You can paint it very nicely. But did you see did you see Billy Sharp's goal celebration? Come I know on. you're a big wrestling fan. What are the wrestler. odds of you having seen Billy Sharp's goal <laughs> celebration? You're a big wrestling fan, aren't you? He, he pulled out Mr. Socko, who is a sock puppet made famous by the WWE wrestler Mick Foley. And of course, Foley began trending on Twitter as a result. Uh, Foley has thanked Sharp and uh, Sheffield United have invited him to Bramall Lane. And it seems as though Foley is keen. So perhaps we're going to see Sharp and Foley reenact Mr. Socko together. Not only am I familiar with Mick Foley, by the way, uh, his autobiography is one of the better books uh, out there. Really, really some remarkable writing. Of course, he had several iterations with his different characters. Um, he was... Uh, uh, early on, he was Cactus Jack and then Mankind. But um, I met him at an ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling uh, Arena event in uh, in Flushing, Queens, in New York, when it was extremely cold outside. And there was this whole queue of people waiting to get in. And my friend had to go to the loo. And uh, and he's like, screw this. We're not going to wait outside in the cold. So we, we basically snuck in early, went to the bathroom. And who comes in but Mick Foley? Ah. I was, you know... They say you shouldn't meet your heroes, but on that occasion, he definitely did not, not in the toilet. No. Oh, okay. no, he was he was he was very very nice. We've become blasé about it for many different reasons, but Manchester City have scored thirty goals in just seven matches in January, and they still have Newcastle away to come. Uh, Alan, they put five past Burnley on Saturday. Are they your favourites to win the Champions League? Um, I'm not so sure about the Champions League. I've, I've kind of looking at the fixtures that you know. Throughout January, since beating Liverpool, they've played Rotherham, um, scored seven goals. Brighton over two legs, scored ten. Uh, three against Huddersfield, I think. Obviously, five against Burnley, and then three against Wolves. Who obviously Wolves are among those sides, obviously the, the, the a far higher standard. Um, Champions League, I'm not so sure. Obviously, Guardiola has long made it sort of his number one personal priority. Um, club haven't really progressed as far as they probably should. In the past, and I believe the kind of the hierarchy there, kind of, you know, they've circled it as as their number one, and it's 
it's quite difficult because, you know, there are so many factors, the draw. They have an easy draw. They're basically in the quarterfinals. Who's better than they are in Europe right now? Could Barcelona beat them? Um, If if Real Madrid step it up, can they beat them again? Um, (laughs) No? Disagree? Honestly, right now my money would be in Manchester City. But well, you obviously disagree, which is fine, because yeah, opinions Alan, are like belly buttons. And Everybody Alan's has one. quick hit. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> There's a lovely interview with Sol Campbell, courtesy of Ollie Kay in the paper. Um, he mentions, among other things, that sort of at that level, there's no nowhere to hide. You're going to be found out. He's one of the more unconventional players uh, in the game, certainly from, from his era. Does Knackles feel as far as he's going to go? Like, what does he need to do to impress, to persuade people further up the food chain to give him a shot? If... Macclesfield are in League 2 next season. I think that would be sufficient evidence for him to, to go on to, to a bigger job. If you, even if you look at their form, I think he's been in charge for, for 11 games. They looked completely out of the, the, the running in terms of survival when he came in. and you know They're now one point out of, of safety. I think from speaking to one or two people there, um, the, the impression is that they're playing some really, really good football as well, which I think is a big thing because you kind of you get to League Two, and especially when it's in terms of surviving and staying in the league, you'd, you'd presume that it's all about, you know, direct, whatever works effectively, getting the faces of opponents. But they are playing some, some decent stuff as well. So he, he deserves plenty of credit for that. Um, if they go down, uh, you know, it, it would be hard to lay the blame at him because of the, the sort of upturn and, you know, the, obviously turned a corner. But in terms of resources, they're a club that, you know, punching above their weight, you could argue, um, whether that's enough to kind of convince a, a bigger club to give him a, a job after Macclesfield, I'm not so sure. But I think, you know, if they do survive, there's certainly a very strong argument for, for someone much bigger than Macclesfield to come in and, and give him a shot. Sorry, are we really talking that Sol Campbell, if he does work, Macclesfield will be given a chance at any club above that Premier. Are we really, really realistically thinking that? I'm sorry, I doubt that. Um, this is what we'll be going through at this moment, and this is just about black players that have come through the game. We know Sol's experience from at Arsenal, from at Tottenham, from at England, and he's got UEFA badges, and it's made it so difficult for him to get a position that he's got a position at Macclesfield, probably doing so well, as you just said, that he can go anywhere further. I'm finding that hard to believe. And would you say it's fair in Campbell's case is that He's also not not one of the guys, right? I, because of his interests outside the outside the game, the, the Kelly Hop, the interior design, the wanting to run for mayor, is that something that that plays into it too? That he's he's a more complex. I understand what you're saying, but Campbell's that's his business outside of his experience and that's come through the years and what he's done. That's what he should be given his chance for, not for anything else. From one former Arsenal player to another, here's one for you, Gab. Thierry Henry stint in charge of Monaco lasted just over three months. What went wrong? I think if he were here, he would certainly take some of the some of the responsibility. Um, one of the arguments that was made was also that you know he tried too much. He he still kind of thought like a pro and stuff. On the other hand, you know he inherited a team that was second bottom for a reason, after having been super, super successful in previous years. Monaco have sold players for something like 350 million. I mean, their net profit in the last two years is 250 million pounds. 
they lost eight or nine starters from from the team that, that won the league two years ago. And to replace them, because Monaco is, you know, Monaco's average crowds are less than 9,000. The only way you're going to compete is via being regularly in the Champions League, so you get the Champions League income, and by player trading, right? Buying low, selling high. They tried to do that again. They brought in a whole bunch of very young players at great expense from, you know, guys like Yuri Tielemans, who've contributed, to guys like Holovin, uh, the Russian, who's contributed less, also because he's been injured, to, you know, they, they spent about 40 million pounds on two 16-year-olds, Pietro Pellegri and uh, Willem Goebbels. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> Teams don't spend 20 million pounds on 16-year-olds who, who've hardly played top-flight football. But they thought, all right, we can gamble on this because in a few years' time, these guys are going to be really, really good players. The problem is when, when you do that, if something else goes wrong, and in this case, it's been, it's been injuries, they've been hit really hard, then you really have a problem. And even a very good manager like uh, Leonardo Jardim wasn't able to fix that. And then Henri gets dropped into it, and he's not able to fix it either. Not surprisingly, this transfer window, they've gone, they, they brought in veterans like Cesc Fabregas and uh, Naldo, the Brazilian defender who's 36, and they hope that's enough to shore things up through the summer. And then they'll have some pretty big decisions to make on what to do with all their young players. That is it for now. Many thanks to our guests today, Alan Smith, Paul Joyce and Paul Canaville. And Paul, before you go, I've got to speak to you about your own foundation and what you're working on I that ne- with. I nearly forgot that. Eh? Yeah, tell us more about <laughs> yes, it. Yes, um, the Paul Canaville Foundation and we help youth with resilience and so forth. And, you know, making them believe in themselves. Well, there's so much that's going on with the foundation and myself, obviously being an ambassador at the um, Love Music, Hate Racism. Um getting into that don't, don't get me wrong I strongly believe that this racism can be dealt with um, trying to get all the ex-players and present players on board um, there's the march that's taking place on the 16th of March if you do go on to www.paulcannivalfoundation.com you'll find some information on there uh, about the um, love, music, hate, racism and marches and what we'll be producing is quite honestly, it's important to me um, and I think it's been important to quite a few fans obviously they're at Chelsea now, they've got a campaign going, Chelsea Together and that's the initiative from the fans itself that's happening and that's great for me to see that that, that that's just that's going on down at Chelsea that the fans have got together because they don't want the racism at the game down at Stamford Bridge and they're doing something about it so yeah good on to them they've got my support okay remember you can subscribe to the Times and the Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet it's just three pounds for three months in our January sale search the Times subscription for more information I've waited till the end to point this out, but let the record reflect that I am taping this podcast under protest because there were no no predictions. And the reason there were no predictions this week is because clearly Charlie doesn't want me to go and close the gap and beat (laughs) Natalie. Don't worry, Charlie. There's enough weeks left in the season. You won't be able to run and hide. Uh Uh-uh. It's not going to fly with me. I'll be back in May. And we're going to be back on Thursday after a full midweek program of Premier League action. In fact, we could have done predictions for this midweek. But no, the powers that be are stopping me. Don't worry. People are taking notice. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.